Well, this morning, um, I'd like to talk about answers to our prayer. In fact, I'd like to preach a message, and I've titled it something that Mark talked about in his book. It was a great phrase he talked about. I think it was day seven, where he said, it's not our job to answer, it's our job to ask. It's not our job to answer, it's our job to ask. And I believe, probably like you do, that the greatest mystery, but also the greatest challenge about prayer is God's answer. Like, think about it for a minute. All the other parts about prayer, they're all doable. They're all accomplishable. And they're probably not things, well, there might be a couple of things, but most of the things we are not very complicated about prayer or stressful or, or very complicated, right? Like folding your hands. That's pretty simple. Maybe closing your eyes to concentrate on Jesus. Now, here's another one that might be a little bit tougher, getting up early, right? Now, not for you guys, because you're first service. But second service, that's probably really difficult, right? <laughs> getting up early, praying out loud. Sometimes we can have a trouble doing that. Sharing your feelings with God, making a commitment to pray. But if you think about it for a minute, all those things are doable, aren't they? And they, we don't get mad at God for any of these reasons, do we? But I'll admit to you this morning that sometimes I get angry at God. How about you? Sometimes I get angry at God about my prayer. I get angry at God. I don't understand what God is doing because he's not doing what I asked at the speed that I think he should and the way in which I want him to. See, my complication is all around the answer to my prayer. And whether or not I think God is answering or what he's doing or are you listening, are you out there, what's going on? And what I've learned in just being honest with you this morning is that I'm not letting God be God. I'm not even letting him be a person. I'm not allowing him to have choice and him to use his wisdom and his sovereignty in my life. Really, all I want is God to be my sugar daddy, a genie in a bottle that just pops out and does what I tell him to do in the manner in which I want him to do it. That's not a relationship. I'm not, that's not a person. I'm using God to get what I want. And if he doesn't do what I ask, then I'm angry at him. And it's all wrapped up in the answer. So I want to talk about the answer this morning because the greatest challenge I believe about prayer is God's answer and, it, and the timing and everything in that. But I want to start and, and talk about the challenge to God's answers because since it's not our job to answer, it's our job to ask, I, I thought, why, why do I struggle? Why do we as human beings struggle with God's answers? And I believe there are several reasons why we struggle with God's answers. The first one is simple. We want God to answer quickly. Now, we think prayer is like a McDonald's drive through window. I should say it to God and I should be able to drive up to the window and I get my prayer. Right? That's because we're now a byproduct of our culture. And, and I'm going to I'm going to challenge us with something this morning, because here's what I think that God is doing, especially for us in um, technologically advanced societies. 
I think God is using the answer to his prayer to try to teach us something about our faith and our relationship with God that, frankly, we do not learn unless God does something with the prayer. Let me point this out. I think you and I struggle with patience, waiting, endurance, discipline, self-control, and trust. And God often doesn't answer our prayer in our timing because he wants us to go deeper with him. And he's trying to teach us lessons that our culture never teaches us. But are a requirement for deep faith and connection to God. And so God uses the answer to our prayers to teach us patience and waiting and endurance and discipline and restraint and self-control and trust because we're not learning it in any other capacity in our life. And so God challenges us with our prayer. Now, these disciplines, they get developed in the struggle, in the struggle of letting God answer and have faith while we wait. See, God wants to do something bigger. Recently, um, I've been waiting for an answer to a huge prayer right now. And I'll be honest with you, it's kind of tearing me apart. I'm praying for some big stuff in my life right now, and it hasn't been answered yet, and it's kind of tearing me up on the inside. But here's what's interesting. While I'm waiting, God's doing something in me. While I'm persevering, God's doing something in me. While I'm trusting at a very, very deep level, I'm entering into a new relationship with God that I've never been at before because I've never been in this situation before and I've never had to trust him like I'm having to right now. But what's interesting is even though I'm having to wait for an answer, God's doing something really big in me. And I believe he wants to do that in all of us as we think about his kingdom moving forward. So one of the struggles is we want God to answer quickly. Another struggle is, and that can happen as we struggle for God's answer, and the reason that we struggle with God's answer is because sometimes our prayer are not part of God's will. Sometimes we pray things that are not part of God's will for our life. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15 says this. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. So when we go to pray, here's what we have confidence in. That if we ask anything, and then put parentheses around this, right? According to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Now, this is an interesting verse because this verse is basically saying that when we pray according to God's will, God will do whatever we want. Oh, I'm sorry. That's not what it said. It said, he hears us. It doesn't say that when we ask according to God's will, he does whatever we want. It says, he hears us. I'll get to that part in a minute, because the fact that we know a God that is listening is a big deal. Right? It's a big deal. But before we get there, let's look at the first phrase, according to his will. 
We must ask prayers according to God's will. And that means that God doesn't even listen to prayers that aren't according to his will. He, he, he ignores them. And sometimes, I know this is true for me, and I'm guessing it's probably true for you. There have been times that I have prayed something that is not best for me. That was not God's will for me. And so God ignored that request. Why? Because God knows what's best for me. And so anything, even that I pray, that I think is best, and in, in my limited wisdom and limited understanding of myself and the world around me, I think I know what's best, and so I pray something, and God ignores it. Why? Because he cares. Because he wants what's best for me, not what's limited for me. And so he doesn't even entertain my limited thought process. He just says, I'm going to ignore that. You know why? Because I've got something so much better for you. You can't even imagine the great thing I have yet. You're asking such a small prayer. I'm going to ignore that one because I've got something better for you. It's interesting this verse also says that God hears us. Now follow me for a second. You and I, we kind of have a concept uh, that God hears because we've lived for a long time when people have believed that God hears. But in the first century, when this was written, it was important to the people at that time to understand that God was a God that hears them. Here's why. One, they're living with two uh, dynamics at place. One is the mythological gods of the Greeks and the Romans that they are living in, in the Greek and Roman Empire, right? And those gods, what? They don't listen to men. They don't listen to men. There's no option to come before them and talk about anything. They don't listen to men. And then the second one is the God of the universe, the one and true God, the God of the Bible. But God has what? He's been silent for 400 years waiting for Christ. Since Malachi to Jesus, 400 years where God did not talk. So what might you think as a Jew? Maybe God doesn't hear me. And so John comes along and reminds us that because of Jesus Christ, we now have confidence that when we pray, God hears us. And that when we pray according to his will, God hears hears us. Now, let me give you an example of how you and I should pray, how we should share our heart with the Father, but we should ha have a willingness to submit to God's will and trust him to do best. There is a moment in Jesus' life in Mark chapter 14. It's the night before he is crucified. And listen to what Jesus prays in the garden as he's literally sweating blood. It says, going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet, not what I will, but what you will. Now, here's what's interesting. Did you notice that Jesus prayed what was going on in his life. Because he knew he was going to the cross. And what does he pray? Father, if there's any other way for men and women's sins to be forgiven, if there's any other way, could we possibly do this another way? 
yet not my will, but yours. Now in the middle of that, here's what happens. Jesus shares his heart and he requests something. And by the way, it's not answered. Why? Because God knew best. God knew the only way for you and I to get our sins forgiven was to put his own son on the cross. And so he did that for you and for me. But in the process, notice what Jesus says. Not my will, your will. Here's my will. Here's what I hope. But Lord, don't do what I want. Do what you want. Do your will. See, pray according to God's will. Here's the third thing. God doesn't answer, and we struggle with this, God doesn't answer when our prayers contradict God's word. So there's God's will, and there's God's word. Now here's the great part about the Bible, right? God's will is found in God's word. This is where we find out about God's will for our life. All of these stories, all of these commandments, all of the law, everything that God has said in his word is God's will for our life. So prayers that contradict God's word are not answered because they are in contradiction with God's will for our life. So sometimes we pray all kinds of crazy things. And if, if you're praying one of these things, then know that I love you. Sometimes we pray something like, Lord, help my boyfriend to love me deeply for who I am. But your boyfriend's not a believer. And God actually doesn't want you to go deeper with that person because you're in contradiction to his word. Because his word says, don't yoke yourself with an unbeliever in a close relationship. Yet we're praying, Lord, help me and my boyfriend to get closer. And God's trying to get you apart. So he's not going to answer that prayer because it's in contradiction to his word. Sometimes we pray, Lord, would you help me find two jet skis to buy this summer? <laughs> ah, man, Lord, I just, we just really want jet skis. But you have two car payments, a loan for a camper, $10,000 in credit card debt, and you don't ever give financially to God. You're in contradiction to his word. Is he going to get you jet skis? No. Now the bank might. <laughs> the bank might help you be more in contradiction to God's word, but God won't. See, sometimes we pray things that are in contradiction to God's word, and he doesn't answer. And then you know what's really frustrated? We get mad at him. We pray things that aren't according to his will and aren't according to his word. And when he doesn't answer us at the drive through prayer window, we get mad at him. Now, the fourth one is a little bit more difficult, but I just want to talk about it. And then I want you to, you can marinate on it in your spare time. God's answers also cannot contradict the free will of mankind. Now, follow me for a minute. God has given you and I free will. That means that you and I are created in the image of God. And as people that are created in the image of God, the one thing, one very thing in particular that you and I have different than the rest of all of creation is our free will. We have the ability to choose. 
The sun and the moon and the stars don't. The animals don't. The rivers and the mountains and everything else do not. Are they all creations of God? Yes, they are. Are they all unique and awesome in their own right? Yes, they are. But you and I are created in the image of God. And the uniqueness of being created in the image of God is that you and I get to choose whatever, whenever, however. Now that's good and bad, isn't it? That means we get to choose good if we want to, or we get to choose bad and evil if we want to. Now, because we live in a fallen world, it becomes even more complicated as we mix all this up, and it gets even more complicated when you and I discover that we are now living in a, in a time where more men are choosing unrighteousness and evil than righteousness. Gets even more complicated with our prayers, right? But often we can pray prayers, and we should still continue to pray prayers, but we also have to remember that the free will of mankind is the foundation of how men and women get to choose. So we should pray for people to get saved, but we have to know that they get to choose. Does that make sense? We are going to pray that our family members and our friends and our neighbors walk out of the sinful lifestyle they live in, but we also have to know that they have free will to choose. And we cannot get mad at God when they choose to continue in the lifestyle that they live. Okay? Free will is like gravity. God cannot take away gravity to answer one of our prayers. Because if he takes away gravity... He may answer your prayer, but he's going to inherently give us about a trillion more problems. Okay? You can't take away gravity because it's the foundation of how we live and stay on the planet. Same with free will. This one is a physical practice that's in place because God put it here. Free will is a spiritual practice that God has put in place and will never leave. Both are essential. Both are important. But we need to be careful that when we pray things for people that have free will and they don't choose what we're praying, that we not get mad at God. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. Marinate on that a little bit more if you'd like to, or you can talk to me about it. So those are some of the reasons we struggle with God's answers. Another challenge with God's answer is trusting God with the answer. If we know that we are called not to answer, but to ask, our job is not to answer, our job is to ask, then the challenge or the dilemma can be trusting God. Now, I'm going to get right to the heart of this matter. I think, excuse me, our biggest dilemma when trusting God with an answer to our prayer is when we pray things that are according to God's will are congruent with Scripture. That's when our trust of God has to go even deeper. For instance, often uh, you and I will pray for God to heal someone physically. Does God want to heal people physically? Yes. The challenge becomes when that person is not healed physically. I have to trust a whole lot more. And those are the moments where I really start to say, Lord, do you, do you see my friend or my family member suffering with cancer? You can heal. 
let's do it. God's got something bigger that I don't understand. And that is a challenge. We might pray for God to supply food for starving people or for girls to be rescued from sex trafficking. And these types of prayers require deep trust in God for the answer because these prayers are also complicated because while we want God to stop people from being so horrible to each other, they have free will. And we live in a sinful, fallen world where not only does the sex trafficker have free will to do something horrible to a little girl, but so do a billion people that are looking for that little girl on the internet that make the business popular. So there's tons of free will happening. There's tons of sinful things happening that all generate things in our culture that are evil things that you and I want to be taken care of and we want God to reach out and do something with. And frankly, what I'm learning more and more is that while our prayers are important and God wants to answer our prayers, God most of the time uses you and me to answer that prayer. He wants us to do something about it. See, when I pray these prayers, I know God is hearing me and I know that these situations break God's heart just like they're breaking mine. And that's why he died on the cross and rose again for you and I. The challenge is you and I live in a sinful world. And when sin is allowed to be the dominant piece at the table, all kinds of prayers get jacked up. That's the challenge. And in that moment, you and I have to trust God with the answer. And it's super hard, but we have to remember, it's not our job to answer, it's our job to ask. Let me give you a, just a very, very simple illustration um, you all know Elsa Martin, our children's director. Well, um, I'm, you know, my kids aren't little anymore, so I, I stash candy in my office so that Amelie will come in my office and visit me. <laughs> and I think that is a brilliant idea. I think it's ingenious. Yeah, you can come visit. Yes, that would be helpful. I think it's ingenious. Elsa, not so much. And so there are days when Ameline will come in my office and she'll say, can I have some candy? And I'll say, because I don't want to offend Elsa and Conrad, I'll say, go ask your mom. And Ameline will go ask her mom and she'll say, mom said I can have carrots, but I can't have Snickers. <laughs> Right? I mean, we all understand that there are times that God knows better than we do, right? And it's really hard to trust. And it's in that moment when I have to say, I've got to trust that Elsa knows what she's doing with her own daughter. And that me giving her a sugar high every five minutes while she's here at work, even though it's good for my soul and for Amelie's stomach, it may not be what's best in the long run. And I have to trust that Elsa knows what she's doing and that God does too. See, the reality is, are we trusting God enough that we can surrender the answer to him? Can you surrender the answer to him? Because frankly, sometimes the answer is going to be yes, and sometimes the answer is going to be no, and sometimes the answer is going to be maybe. But are we trusting God enough that we can surrender 
the answer to him. Because sometimes God answers and we're super excited, but sometimes there are unanswered prayers. And by the way, that's an answer too. And it's God's way of caring for you. The unanswered prayers just require more trust, don't they? There was a theologian in the 1990s, and he was processing this idea of unanswered prayers. <coughs> and he said this about unanswered prayers. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs that just because he may not answer doesn't mean he doesn't care. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. You all know that theologian, Garth Brooks? Yes. <laughs> right? Sometimes, and this is an interesting song because it's actually a moment in his life when he realized that what he wanted was not what God wanted, and he was thankful that he didn't get what he wanted. See, sometimes the best answer and the challenge to our faith and to our trust is letting God say yes or no or maybe. Because trust is whatever good God decides to do or not do. I'm okay with. That's trust. Proverbs 3.5 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Listen to it from the message version. It says, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure everything out on your own. I love that. But you and I, what do we do? We try to figure everything out on our own. And that's not trust in God. We say a prayer and then we try to figure it out on our own as if God needs our help. But trust is saying, God, I gave it to you. You got it. Trust is not trusting in me. It's trusting in the Lord. Now, let me close this time about trust by asking a few questions. Who would you rather have answering your prayers? Who would you rather have answering your prayers? Someone who knows the future or someone who doesn't? Someone who created you, or someone who doesn't know you at all? Someone who is all-powerful, or someone who is very limited in scope? Someone who is good all the time, or someone who is not? Someone who makes decisions for your best interest every single time? or someone who thinks of themselves first. See, we've got to recognize that trust means that we would rather have God answer our questions and our prayers than someone else because he really does know best. See, truth is recognizing that it's not our job to answer, it's our job to ask. Now, once we've fully trusted God with whatever the answer will be, you and I have got to figure out how to ask, right? So how should we ask? If our job is to ask, how should we ask? 
Let me give you three ways. Number one, ask often. Ask often. Pray regularly. All right, we talked about this a little bit last week. Pray regularly. Ask all the time. Ask often. Now, Jesus talked about this in Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. He shared a parable. It's the parable of the persistent widow. This widow has a problem in her life, and there's a judge in town. And the judge, it says, does not care about God and does not care what people think. So he's basically the most unjust person in the world. But she continues to persistently ask him often if he would take care of her problem. And the judge says, just to get you off my back, woman, I will answer your request. And he does. That's the end of the parable. And you're wondering, how am I supposed to get something out of that? Well, here's the point. God's not unjust, and God loves all people. So if God is just, and he loves all people, how much more will he answer your request when you ask for it often? When you persistently trust him and present your request to God. See, God's looking for faithful and committed people, and this is why you and I should ask often and leave the answer to God. Second, ask for the impossible. Ask for the impossible. Listen, here's what I've discovered. Impossible things are God's realm. Doable things are our realm. Like God doesn't care what kind of toast you make in the morning. You can do that. You can change your tire. You can walk to the store. You can share Jesus with your neighbor. Impossible prayers and impossible answers are his realm. So let's start asking impossible prayers and let God answer them. Because impossible prayers bring God glory. Impossible prayers bring Jesus glory. And our prayers should be around Jesus getting glory. That means that there are things that you and I should probably not ask for. There are things that you and I can do that we don't really even need God, we don't need God's permission to do these things. We're going to go in God's will and in God's spirit, but sometimes we ask for things that are silly, like we think it's an impossible prayer, and God's just going, why are you asking me that? Just go do that. For instance, if you're a mechanic and you pray, Lord, I, I pray that you would help that single mom down the street for me to fix her car. What? You're a mechanic. Go fix your car. Why are we praying prayers that we know we, in Jesus' name, can just go do for him? Let's not pray limited, silly prayers. You might be sitting there, and you're a teacher, and we talk about needing teachers and faith kids, and you're like, yeah, I'm going to pray for that. <laughs> what? You're a teacher. I don't know that curriculum. Oh, it ain't that hard, people. I mean... You, this curriculum, uh, I'm hoping you're knowing this curriculum. Go do it. 
Go do it, right? Sometimes we pray for our neighbors to get saved. And Jesus is waiting for us to walk next door to ask him over for a barbecue. It's doable. It's fearful, but it's doable. Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. This is who God is. He can do immeasurably more than we ask or think. Therefore, he's waiting for us to pray impossible prayers. Sometimes our problem is thinking and praying too small. And God wants us to pray radical, impossible prayers. So I think we should start. Let's start praying some radical, impossible prayers that would bring God great glory. Like, let's pray for the sick to be healed. Let's start praying radical prayers and pray that God would heal people that we know and leave the answer to God. It's impossible, but we'll trust God with the answer. Let's pray for thousands of people on the West Plains to believe in Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's pray for EWU students and faculty to know Jesus and live for him daily. Let's pray for millions of dollars to flood into the church so that we can use it for God's glory. Let's pray for new inventions that will help the gospel reach billions of people. Let's pray for entire nations to be transformed from how they're living now to the love and the peace and the joy of Christ. Let's pray impossible prayers. And then third, let's ask expectantly. Let's ask, because our job is to ask and believe, let's ask because we believe that God wants to answer it because we're praying according to his will. Let's ask expectantly. Now let me give you an example of asking expectantly. In Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 to 13, Jesus talks about the faith of a centurion. Jesus is hanging out in a town called Capernaum. And this centurion walks up to him. He's a non-Jew, by the way. He walks up to Jesus and he says, I have a servant who is paralyzed and I would like you to heal them. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus said, what would you like me to do? He said, just say the word. And the centurion said this, I understand how authority works. I'm a leader in the Roman Empire, in the military. And when I tell one of my military men to do something, they do it. I recognize your authority as the God of the universe. And I know if you just tell my servant to be healed right there, you don't even have to come to my house. Just say it right now. Your servant is healed, and my servant, by the authority of you as the creator of the universe, will be healed. And that's what Jesus does. Here's what Jesus says about the centurion. Truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. See, our prayers must be connected with faith, with belief, with expectancy. 
Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you have believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. We don't have time, but I could tell you story after story after story of times where people have prayed in America for something to be accomplished on the other side of the world and God did it immediately because we asked expectantly with faith and belief. We need to start to be people that understand the authority of God and we believe that Jesus has all authority and so the impossible prayers that we ask and that we ask often will be answered when they are according to God's will. In our book, Mark talked about someone who went to a prayer meeting where they were praying for rain and the man wore waders. That's what we're talking about. Ask expectantly. We serve a big God. We serve a God that loves us. He likes to do the impossible. But we're going to have to ask often. We're going to have to ask for the impossible. And we're going to have to ask expectantly. This is our job. Our job is in the asking. God's job is in the answering. So let's be people that ask. Ask often. Ask the impossible. And ask expectantly. Ask with faith. Ask with belief. Would you stand with me this morning?